alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know Zyrtons, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. And welcome to the 151st Annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Uh, not doing too bad. Just uh, enjoying the frozen tundra that is Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly flirting with the possibility of turning into Siberia, apparently. I don't know. I don't know. What it is... The climate of Siberia. Is it cold all year long? Is that a myth? I wonder what the truth is. I think it's um I think it's pretty close to Minnesota, probably. You know, real, real fucking cold in the winter, and then it warms up a bit during the summer. Yeah, it's uh I can't you know, shout out to our Siberian fans. I feel your pain, guys. I do they have podcasts or you think? I think they have internet probably. Probably not as good as internet as they had a few months ago. But they probably still have it. Is there a statue of Rasputin there? Could be. They have a statue <laughs> of Rasputin right next to an even bigger statue of his dick. <laughs> it's the important shit out did there. You, did you watch the new Kingsman movie? I've never watched any of them. And I saw like pieces of the newest one. The newest one is a prequel. And I think Rasputin is in it. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Did you watch yeah, it? it looks, I've seen. So I've seen the first um kingsman movie but i haven't seen this new one yet i might actually watch it it looked pretty funny it's weird because rasputin's not in the movie very long but (laughs) but they kind of make it seem like he's the main villain yeah i think it's because it's maybe the funniest parts of the movie that's kind of why they showed it it's like supposed to be back in the early 1900s so kind of like the early british spy system i think is when they're kind of uh placing it so yeah, sounds about right. Have you, uh, one other quick thing here. So I'm kind of getting back into the, like, I feeling like I need to catch up some on some of these old movies I haven't watched, or some of the newer releases I haven't watched yet. Um, yep. Did you watch the new Scream movie? No, I haven't. I, I believe it's on Paramount Plus, which I have. But I'm not a huge horror movie fan, especially not uh, the the pop horror movie. Right. So. Uh, yeah, this one might drive you nuts because, look, I'm going to say movies maybe like a 6 out of 10. Problem is, the Gen Z stuff, the Gen Z horror stuff, kind of, or the Gen Z comedy, um, I don't think I get it. And I, I don't think I like it. Yeah, I don't think I would like it either in that movie. It's one of those deals where I really do like the classic horror movies. I liked them, obviously, a lot more when I was a kid, you know, back when they would kind of, you know have a little bit more effect on me. But I never really liked the Scream movies, even when I was a teenager and they were super popular. Never really liked them very much. That first one's an absolute classic. It's a 10 out of 10. The first one was great, but then they really go downhill after that. Yeah, that's how that goes, though. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, Phil, you said you had a little bit of a uh, story here to tell. 
Oh, yeah, just about uh, exploring new parts of uh, the great city of Mesa, Arizona. So I've actually been looking for a, a new apartment. They're raising the rent on my apartments by about 45%. So I'm looking to get out of here. And I found a, a little area of town where kind of there were a few different cheap apartments that I was looking to, you know, move into. So I decided to go to the first one on the list. And I didn't even get out of my car when I pulled up to the office. This place, I like. I didn't think that Mesa, Arizona, there was any part of this town that could be that run down and that bad. But it was, it was fucking terrible. Do you have you when you were looking for a new place to live out in? Uh, when you lived in an apartment, obviously, when you were living out in, like, what was it, Egan and all those little towns out there? Did you ever find a place that was just extremely shitty, like dangerous as hell to live in? Um, yes, actually, I, this is right after I got out of college and me and, uh, nasty Nate were oh, looking yeah. for a place. I'll never forget. We went to this one area that was kind of by where I was going to be working at the time. And we're like looking around. I didn't really think anything of it. And then the guy was asking us all these questions about just random shit. And he's, he looked me, he looked us in the eyes like, are you sure you want to live here? (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, you know what? On second thought, I don't think I do. (laughs) No, I I don't think I do. As you get in your car and lock the door. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm good. Let's, uh, let's get the fuck out of here. It was just funny because it's like that image is burned in my mind. It was kind of like, I don't think it was really hot out, but the guy was like protruding sweat and he pulls out the farm. He's like, are you sure you want to live here? <laughs> I'm like, I guess he's, not. <laughs> he's looking over his back, like pulling out his gun and shit, like trying to figure fucking shit out. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, uh, props to him uh, for <laughs> telling us that he either was warning us that we're not welcome to live there or that we shouldn't live there. One of the two. It felt like probably maybe a little bit more unsafe. Yeah. That's uh, that situation. That <laughs> could be. <laughs> but you had one of those experiences minus the apartment manager telling you that. I have a feeling that the apartment manager might have might have mentioned something. I actually would have walked in there. <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> but anyway, you found uh, a nice abode for your new home, right? Yeah. The, uh, the place that I applied to. Hopefully it's on the way other side of town. So hopefully it's nice. But hopefully also the walls are as thick as these guys. So I'm not uh, recording with a bunch of screaming babies all around me and shit. People fucking whatnot. (laughs) I have faith. Uh, Phil, maybe before we get in this episode, we should let people know your voice is a little weird because you're under the weather. Not because you got like one of those smokers voice boxes or anything like that. Oh, yeah. No, I. uh, So around this time of year, since I've moved to Phoenix, it's basically... Every single, like late March, early April, there's some kind of plant here that releases a pollen that just destroys my fucking, my nasal and my fucking lungs and everything. So yeah, I I actually wrote a really short episode today in hopes that my voice holds out. So you're not going to get quite as much history as you're used to. So sorry about that, but <laughs> it's it's it, it's all steak today. No uh, no sizzle. You can blame spring for that. Yeah. Blame Putin. We yeah. all are. So, <laughs> Following the flight of Kenneth Arnold and the events of Roswell, New Mexico, stories of UFO encounters and alien abductions, 
would run rampant throughout the end of the 20th century, with eyewitnesses and abductees coming forward in droves to tell their tales, though some would become more famous than others, with the stories of Barney and Betty Hill's abductions from their car late at night becoming arguably the most famous abduction story in history. Though there is another story from a woman named Betty that had also broken through all of the alien abduction noise of the late 1960s and early 1970s. Well, as you know, um, I'm seeing a little bit of a correlation here between them liking to abduct Bettys, right? I yep. should Before my grandma passed, I should have asked her, have you ever been abducted by an alien? Because she was yeah, a Betty that- as well. Yes, she was a Betty as well. That would have, I wonder, that farm out there gets a lot of uh, a lot of weird ghost and alien action, supposedly, so. I very well could have. I mean, my grandma, bless her soul, you know, got up at three in the morning to start baking, so uh, maybe that was the aliens hypnotizing her, saying, Betty, you need to get up and start making kolaches, <laughs> dude, <laughs> or something. Yeah, no. The witching hour for alien uh, baking, yeah. Yeah, I think with our generation, the 3 a.m. baking possession or sleep paralysis that goes on is probably dying off. Oh, yeah, definitely. I wake up at uh, about 3.15 in the morning, pretty much every single morning, but I can barely get myself into a shower and a cup of coffee until I have to, you know, get dressed and go to work. So not quite the same thing. <laughs> not going to bake cinnamon rolls for, for the boys at the factory. No, definitely not. <laughs> In 1977, Dr. J. Allen Hynek would finally answer a letter from a woman who had claimed to have a most unusual abduction story, which would become one of the most deeply investigated alien encounters in history involving multiple rounds of hypnotic regression therapy, full background checks, and nearly a year's worth of investigating by a full team of researchers. Now, that story would come from Betty Andreessen, and it had all begun a decade earlier in her South Ashburn, Massachusetts home. Yeah, it's a dangerous place, that Massachusetts. Um, You know, when you first said that first line, I was thinking about it for a minute, Phil, and I was like, that almost sounds like Dr. J. Allen Hynek would never read a letter written from a woman. But then oh. I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, yeah. actually, he's a very nice man. But uh, but yeah, I you know, we talked about J. Allen Hynek. This is kind of when he was like balls deep into the the UFO world. Oh, yeah. I mean, he like now he's known as a legendary figure in, you know, the UFO community. But back then he was kind of like at the forefront of doing all this investigate investigating and like really big with uh, the start of MUFON, the mutual UFO network and all of that, uh, but sending researchers out there. So like at this time, he was really looking forward to like meeting people who claim had claims of like UFO stories or sightings or abductions, whatnot. So the, so I think Heineck is dead now. I think he passed away, but um yes, I always thought if you've ever seen a picture of him, he would have been such a better Gimli, the dwarf with the battle axe in from Lord of the Rings than than the other character because he looks he just looks like a dwarf with a big axe. Okay. <laughs> have you ever seen a picture of Heineck? 
I have seen a picture yeah. of him. They were all when he was older. Ah, uh, well, that then that's the point. He looks like Mister P- uh, Mister Potato Head. Okay. <laughs> he just he has an egg shaped body. Like he could be the <laughs> bad guy from Sonic the Hedgehog. Honestly. <laughs> He has a body the shape of Danny DeVito playing the penguin. <laughs> you know what's funny? You mentioned that. Um, I was looking at something about Danny DeVito today. Apparently, I haven't seen the Batman yet, okay? But apparently, it has a penguin in it, and Danny DeVito said his penguin was much better <laughs> than the new oh. one. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, that was, I mean, Batman Returns, of those four movies, was my favorite one. It was uh, it was good. a good movie. It's very both good. The bad, both the bad guys in that were were pretty good. Michelle Pfeiffer and Danny DeVito. Look, if you're Danny DeVito, your body was made to be the Penguin <laughs> or Frank from It's Always Sunny. You can't. There's no in between there. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I remember when I was a kid, that fucking he his character disgusted me when he would basically take his little his little penguin hands and like eat all the fish and shit. Oh, that was yeah. terrible. The night that would allegedly change Betty Andreessen's life forever had happened on January 25th, 1967, at around 6.30 p.m. Betty, who was having her parents over at the time due to her husband's spending the night in the hospital due to an accident that he had had, her mother and father and her seven children were all in the house at the exact same time. The... Rest of the family in the living room being entertained by the grandparents and Betty, the mother, in the kitchen as she was standing next to the window. While she was there, the lights began to flicker and a strange red light would shine through the kitchen window. Okay, and you're sure the red lights weren't from the the brothel next door? It could have been that or it could have been a, a chicken place. Across the street that had just opened and keeping everyone awake. I know. I was like, what restaurant has a red light on it? I'm not, I guess KFC, maybe. I was thinking Maybe KFC, maybe, maybe Pizza Slut, you know? They got the, they got that big sign. I've been, okay, so I've been having a weird craving from Pizza Hut. Dude, I haven't had it in years, but it sounds absolutely delicious. It's, so the memory of Pizza Hut is delicious. The reality of Pizza Hut, I, w- I should say most Pizza Huts. I haven't had good Pizza Hut in probably three years. That's not good. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely gone hill a little bit. But that's only like where I'm living. At, so who knows? Maybe, I gotta, Maybe in Minnesota it's great. <laughs> I got to try it. But uh, anyway, back to the story here. So she, seven kids, that's quite a bit. Um, so technically in the house there would be t- t- ten people, right? Because you got Betty, yes. mom, dad, seven kids. Betty's doing something in the kitchen and then starts to see a weird red light coming through the window. That would be quite scary, I would assume, in that if you were Betty in that scenario. Oh, definitely, yeah. I'm guessing if you have seven kids, you're probably doing a dishwasher's load of dishes every few hours in that yeah. home. So, and laundry, probably doing all of the laundry in the house. Every fucking hour and a half. Oh, that's too many goddamn kids. You'd almost have to have disposable plates, right? To just not go crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Back then it was probably all, you know, just regular plates. I remember. So there was, there was uh, my mom, dad, me, and then, you know, like at one time or another, five or possibly four kids living in the house. Our laundry room was full of dirty clothes 
and on the couch was just full of clean clothes waiting to be folded. It's just never ending. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how my poor mom did it. It's, <laughs> it's insane to think about it now. Oh, yeah, bless you, Mary. We don't know how you did it, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Have you ever had a scenario where you were at home or whatever, and like a weird light came through the window, and just you didn't know what it was? Yeah, well, living out on a farm, so people would drive right up to our house, and we would always have like lights coming through our windows and shit whenever someone was coming by. So it's always kind of weird because all of a sudden, just you know. Out of nowhere, because around us, obviously, is completely dark. When we lived out on a farm when I was a kid, and then all of a sudden there would be, you know, out of nowhere, a light. And it's not like you live in town and you're just, you're just used to headlights, you know. We never yeah. saw headlights. Yeah. So that was always a weird thing. I know you haven't be- obviously been back to that area in quite a long time, but, um, man, when I go to my parents sometimes and you stay there, it's like you forget how dark it actually oh, yeah. gets on a farmhouse. Yeah, I spent the night um, two years ago. My sister lives in Chatfield, Minnesota. I spent the night there. I went outside for a vape um, probably around 1030 at night during the winter. And I remember thinking I haven't heard it be this quiet in years. It was the most quiet I've ever heard it. Now, uh, with Betty here, obviously, I, I've heard this story before uh, quite in detail. Now, her house was... There wasn't really anybody around her, correct? No, there wasn't. Um, I have a picture of her house, actually, okay. that I was going to show you later. But yeah, it is, it's out in the country. Okay, so, that's what no, I thought. It, it's out in a lot by itself, pretty much. You can see, like, there's just woods around it and a bigger, a bigger yard around it, kind of like where we grew up. Unless a kid's pointing a laser pointer at her eyeball through the window, we have no explanation of what this red light is so far. So far, yeah, a bright red light, pretty unusual for this area. Very true. While the lights were flickering and the red light shone through the kitchen window, the children all became frightened and ran into the kitchen. Her father would actually run up to the window to try to see what was going on as Benny ran to her children to comfort them. Her father claims that he had actually seen little creatures outside coming from the red lights. Uh, He actually became frozen at the sight of them. And according to Betty's recollection, the five strange creatures actually entered the home through the closed door without even opening it. They actually, according to her, passed right through the wooden door in a jerky motion. And I have an artist rendition just below this for you. Yes, I I have seen this picture before. (sighs) I mean, when you hear someone enter the door that way, you'd assume at first it was a Jehovah's Witness. But looking at the picture here, it definitely looks like... Either a gray alien that's in a beauty pageant or a alien with like a military suit on. Yeah, it does look like he's kind of wearing like a dress blues, kind of like a like a like a military dress uniform or could be possibly Worf from Star Trek wearing <laughs> that uh, big, uh, big sash across I, the side. I love how their boots in the picture look like from uh, Super Mario Brothers 3, those boots that Mario gets in that like giant one. Oh, Do you remember yeah. that? Yep. But, uh, yeah, they're quite large. So, okay, we're going back with the the husband here. Or, no, it's her father, oh, the, right? the father. The okay. father. Yep. He was at the window, frozen. Mm. So he sees these little creatures, and he becomes paralyzed. 
Okay, so yeah, I kind of remember this part of the story. I remember there was somebody else who had an experience with the beings, and I knew it was a man. I couldn't remember if it was like the dad or her husband or whatever, but but yeah, very strange. Okay, so the dad went out, saw him there, and then got frozen, yes. and then they start coming through the door uninvited, obviously, but what sort of technology do you think they would have where they can just kind of come through the door where they could just phase through the door. Yeah. I mean, obviously it hasn't been invented yet. Um, whatever it is, possibly something that can kind of like star Trek, just kind of like disassemble your molecules and put you back together, you know, on the other side of things, something that maybe can make, um, solid matter, like more fluid, allow you to pass right through it. Something like that. I have no idea, obviously. It would be, if you saw it, it would look like magic. Yeah, obviously. it. Yep. I Like when they describe the waviness kind of to it, it, it reminds me of like shitty 90s CG. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, it's like, kind of what I was thinking too. Like those shitty old like sci-fi TV shows where they would um, they would just kind of like speed up the camera to make it look like, you know, something was going on. Yeah. Like this person's going really fast. They just kind of speed up the motion a little bit. Right. Right. And it's all jerky. Yeah. <laughs> now, Betty would describe these creatures as about four feet tall with the one that she thought to be the leader of them about five feet tall. The creatures were, of course, like, you know, they were the stereotypical gray alien with uh, a large pear shaped head, wraparound almond eyes. And nothing really in the way of ears with only small slits in the place of their mouth. She said it kind of looked like they had a scar for a mouth. A scar, huh? Yeah, this is, I guess, would be pretty generic gray alien. Large eyes and and all of that. Have you ever wondered if their eyes are that big, do you believe they could see a lot better than human eyes, per se? Ooh, if their eyes are that big, I think their eyes might be that large. Either I've I've heard the theories if it is well the 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 theories that they are humans from thousands of years in the future. I've heard that there's something wrong with our sun, or it could possibly be from living in a spaceship. Living in a dark spaceship out in the darkness of space might have caused their eyes to get really large. And reflective, kind of like, you know, how a deer's eyes are reflective Yeah. whenever you come up on them. That's so that they can see in the dark better. So it's one of those situations with them. It allows them to see in the dark, kind of like how um, like a pirate. Pirates used to wear eye patches, right? They would wear an eye patch over one eye and leave the other eye unpatched so that when they went down in the bowels of the ship, they could switch their eye patch over and the eye that lived in the dark saw better in the bowels of the ship, much better than the other eye did. Huh, I didn't take pirates for being very wise, but that's pretty smart. Yeah, everybody thought that, well, I remember we were talking about this in a college class that I took, and they they asked the, the students, the professor did, like, why do you think that pirates wore eye patches? And somebody said it's because they all were like missing eyes and, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, well, they can't all be missing eyes, that they're all wearing eye patches, you know. Right. That it's so common that eye patches become a pirate thing, you know. So, um, one quick thing before we continue here, in relation to what you said about them being uh 
humans from the future, right? Yeah. So the the no sun thing or whatever. Um, I was watching this. I guess it was a scientific thing about the galaxy on YouTube, and they were talking about basically like our galaxy is in a um a bubble, a pressure bubble kind of type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how did they explain it? We so our galaxy circles around the much bigger um solar system, right? And they were like measuring the mass five or the five mass extinction events that have happened on Earth and they okay. all correlate in between when the earth, the sun is in a certain spot in its rotation, um, which happens about every, I think they said 200 million years. Um, okay, I, I have heard this before. Yeah. That certain extinction events do kind of, so it's the sun's orbit around, there's a massive black hole in the center of the galaxy. Would right? they, they didn't say anything about a black hole, but just like how it rotates like kind of through the middle of the entire solar, the entire universe, basically, as far as they know. Um, oh, I don't. So what mm. I heard was that it's the solar system rotates, like revolves around the galaxy. And whenever we get to some like certain point, we always have like a mass extinction event. So the galaxy doesn't actually revolve around the universe. The galaxy is moving away from a certain point in the universe. Well, it was something like that. Like it reaches a certain, I I guess you'd have to watch it. But anyway, we're getting way too Neil deGrasse Tyson here. But the thing I was saying is that only happened allegedly 33 million years ago as the last extinction event. So we have 167 years until the next one. So if they were time traveling beings from the future, was your theory that the sun had completely disappeared? Oh, no, it's just that the uh, the sun's energy had reduced is one of the theories that I had heard Could from it, like from some documentaries and shit that I what, had watched. Okay. But these are just theories of why aliens look like that if they were humans from the future. What if the they were from the future, but the world had gotten so polluted or something, they had to live underground and never saw the sun or something? Or possibly... Elder Scrolls 7 comes out <laughs> and we all just fucking stay inside for three years and we all have gray skin, gigantic eyes, and we no longer communicate with each mm-hmm. other anymore. That's, the, That's possible. That is the real uh, seven horned beast from Revelations. It's actually an allegory for Elder Scrolls 7. Excellent job, yeah. Phil. Whatever, Whichever one it is, six or seven, I'm probably going to take two weeks off of work when it comes out. Just, let's I'm go saving with, up my let, leave right now. Let's go with seven because then maybe we'll be like so ingrained in virtual reality you can like kind of live as a hero in the game or something. Oh, yeah. You can actually have the arrow hit your knee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, when the creatures came through the door, everyone in the home had been forced into a paralyzed state with one of the creatures actually approaching Betty. As she put it, he actually floated above the ground rather than walking on his own two feet. She claimed that the creature had worn blue coveralls with a brown belt and large boots. And strangely, he only had three fingers on his hands. The creature that she claimed approached her was the one that she was, said was the leader, uh, the one that was five feet tall. She also said that one of the creatures approached her father. Huh, okay. 
Um, I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but do you know where Bill Cosby was in 1967, Phil? Probably sexually molesting <laughs> a young woman. I'm just going to throw it out there just I imagine okay. what's happening. But I'm just saying, you know, the scenario here, a little suspicious. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, obviously this <clears throat> entire tale has a lot of paralysis involved in it. Um, yeah. Have we ever gonna... speculated how exactly they paralyze humans? I'm guessing it has something to do with their telepathic ability. So kind of, uh, you know, manipulating brainwaves, but kind of the same the same thing with sleep paralysis, how your body kind of releases a chemical that paralyzes you. Could be the same exact thing. <sighs> you know, it, it's kind of interesting to think about because we obviously have so many, have a lot of drugs now, right? That yeah. you take it or it gets injected into you. No matter what you do, you are going to pass out. So maybe, I mean, maybe they could have something like that. And and a lot of those drugs is essentially stimulating a certain portion of your brain, right, that puts you to sleep or whatever. Maybe they can do that, like you said, telepathically or something. Yeah, it's, I mean, your brain makes a lot of those chemicals itself, too. Kind of like I was saying, the one, so whenever you dream, your brain releases a chemical that keeps you from acting out your dream. It actually paralyzes your body. And keeps you from moving around. So your brain already has that chemical agent, like the ability to produce it and release it inside of it already. Have you been doing a lot of research because of your sleep recent sleep paralysis episode, Phil? No, we just talk about aliens so much <laughs> that I just hear a lot about sleep paralysis. Well, I got to say this. I am proud of the aliens for keeping their uh, privates covered with the nice blue overalls. Um, so that, that's kind of them not to just be walking around naked. Like, uh, it seems like a lot of them do. Yeah. It's always interesting to kind of not only hear about what people claim that these aliens like acted like or, or, or whatnot, but also to kind of find out about the people who had these, you know, abduction experiences, find out, kind of try to get a grasp of like why they, you know, I'm speculating that maybe she's full of shit. But why she <laughs> thinks that they would look like that, you know? I like, don't know. Why her brain would conjure up that they were wearing, like, military uniforms. They kind of look like Scientologists when Scientologists go out on their little missions in their little fucking Navy suits. It's kind of what it reminds me of. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I don't know. Before you continue here, when I read the book about this, there was a mess. There was talk of like a wand thing um, that was paralyzing him or did something to him. Did you do you remember seeing do you talk about that at all here? So during so I read a little bit about um, like when she was having her her medical examination. She did mention like a lot about a wand that okay. was like probing her body and going over her body. OK, uh, I didn't really read much of it. Like being introduced in this part of the story, though. Gotcha. No, I couldn't. But I did. I, I didn't actually read the book. So. Gotcha. I couldn't remember. It's been several years since I've read it. Um, I just remember a wand. But let's wait till you get to that spot, and then we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, there's a bunch of different little accoutrements, little medical stuff <laughs> that goes on there. So now, like I mentioned before, the one that she had claimed was the leader of the group, the one that was slightly taller than the rest. 
who had walked up to her, actually began to make telepathic communication with Betty. Betty claims that when she was approached by him, she actually had had this weird feeling, like a great friendship coming from this alien creature. This was after her immediate feelings of fear from the situation had quickly subsided. Now, Betty would claim that the leader's name was Kwazga. I probably said that wrong, but I have no idea how to say it at all. And like many other abductee stories from the 1950s and 60s, Kwazga, of course, had a message for Betty. And that message was for peace and friendship for the human race. Kwazga was really wanting to give Betty this message and claiming that they had actually a great interest in humanity and wanted to make peace and friendship with the human race in general. Sounds like the aliens are going through their Haight-Ashbury days right alongside humans, Phil. Oh, yeah. It always it always surprises me whenever I... Well, not surprises me. Whenever I hear that these aliens, you know, think that humans are special and think that humans are so interesting and all that. And it always kind of, you know... I don't know. Maybe we are weird. Maybe we are special. Uh, this civilization, from the sounds of it, they're all maybe possibly drones. But it's always funny how, you know, the person giving who's getting the message is always told that they just want peace and that person is special. You know, yeah. humans are special, but you're more special. Yeah, I've never really thought about that, really. But that is a very good point. Um, why is the human race or the specific human that is being abducted, why are they so special above everybody else? Yeah, I have no idea. It's always, it always kind of feels like they're pandering a little bit, maybe kind of like they're just trying to make them feel special just to help them be a little bit more cooperative, you know, patting them on the head. You're so special. That's why we're examining you. You know, that's why we're trying to, pull this fucking medical probe out of your nose and put a new one back in. So just trying to, you know, calm them down a little bit, maybe. I imagine that's kind of what, if you work for Elon Musk and he's talking to you, I bet what you just said is essentially what I'm assuming he tells most of his employees. Oh, yeah, like Jeff Bezos, when he gives the the no questions asked fucking, you have to take this fucking, what, the little microchip in the back of your head? Yeah. <laughs> See, though, he's not going to be nice about it. They're just going to have one of those fucking robots come around, grab you, and then fucking jam one into the back of your skull. Elon Musk will probably be real nice about it, probably buy you dinner first. <laughs> He'll at least, like, knock you out with some sort of uh, knockout gas you see from Batman. <laughs> <laughs> he's got it in his wrist like Spider-Man. Yeah. Just, <laughs> fucking blows it right in your face. <laughs> Now, Kwaska, beginning to sense that Benny was starting to become apprehensive about her family being frozen in stasis, actually would temporarily, according to her, release Betty's 11-year-old daughter, Becky, from her stasis. Now, this would put Betty at ease after the creature had told her that her family would definitely not be harmed. After which, Kwaska took Betty outside to a waiting spacecraft that was parked on her backyard. He actually didn't open the door. Just like before, all of the creatures, including Betty, would actually walk straight through the closed door. Interesting. So obviously they have technology to, like, phase out other people alongside of themselves. 
Yeah, so it's not only them who can actually phase through the door. Apparently, they can make it like malleable for for humans too. Hmm. Here's a here's an interesting thing though. If her family was in the stasis, right, and they unfreeze the eleven year old, she sees her mom being escorted out by five weird alien things. Her whole family is frozen as well. I feel like that would scare the shit out of her. Yeah, I feel like I would freak the fuck out too. But who knows, you know, the aliens might have had some kind of telepathic calming for her too. So, yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. Maybe this is what it's like for Tom Cruise's kids since he's like <laughs> an alien with special powers, but uh I don't know, it'd be scary for me. They wake up and he's just sucking their fresh blood right out of their necks. <laughs> Yeah. Allegedly, of course. Yes, yes. Him and- allegedly. Tom Cruise and John Travolta, allegedly. Okay. Can't get yep. us now. We said allegedly. Definitely. Now, after entering the ship, Betty claimed that she was a subject of an extensive and painful medical examination, including having her entire body probed from head to toe. There was also a small medical device that had been previously embedded in her head actually taken out by the aliens. This was done through her nostril. She also claimed to have traveled while on this ship to another world. She claims that she had passed through many caverns and passageways, seeing small frog-like creatures as she floated down through what she had thought might be subterranean earth caverns. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I remember this too. She says I'm pretty wild shit about like where they take her and stuff and like these weird worlds and caves and the type of shit she was put in and all of this. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't actually, I didn't put the picture up. I'll put the picture up on Instagram. I didn't put it up on this word document for you, but basically she sees like these buildings underground and there's these frog like creatures like poking out the windows and climbing up the walls and shit. It looks like the craziest psychedelic fucking hallucination anyone's ever had. Okay, real question. If she did travel forward in time with these humans from thousands of years in the future, could the city that she is now seeing actually be Pittsburgh Pittsburgh in the future? I actually have a theory about that okay. later on. Fun okay. All right. But, yes. Possibly it could be when Pittsburgh finally gets electricity and it becomes a decent little town. Yeah. But there's still Pittsburghonians fucking inhabiting this shithole and they're all just peeking out the window, crawling up it like crackheads. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I suppose they have, if she would have mentioned like a giant robot bird with like Terry Bradshaw's head on the top of it, (laughs) then we would have known for sure this was Pittsburgh. But unfortunately that is not... It wasn't there, I don't think. Our benevolent and cruel leader. Yeah, old Terry. (laughs) Old Terry. Now, Betty, being a very, very religious person, would actually believe that the experiences that she was having were actually heavenly in nature, with the what we would consider alien-like creatures actually being messengers from what she perceived to be a god. And that she was actually visiting the real God while having her experiences. Now, at the end of her experience, she would finally meet up again with Kwasga. He had actually mentioned that all of her memories of this experience would be locked away in her brain until the appropriate time. 
she had actually only after this remembered small bits of the experience that being uh, the initial power failure, the colored lights flashing through the window, and the creatures entering her home uh, through her closed door. I don't think this is that unusual. If someone's really religious and they were to have a vivid experience like this, whether they're abducted or not, that's probably what they're going to lean on. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially, I mean, we have no idea how much pop culture she actually took in. Um, She claims to have never really seen much about aliens or anything like this until like the mid-1970s. So, of course, though, everybody who had alien experiences supposedly back then always claimed that they had no idea what aliens were or spaceships or any of the like. So, they pretty much all always claimed that. Not all, I'm not going to generalize it to every one of them, but from from the interviews you always hear is, oh, I had no idea what they could be, you know, never heard I mean, of aliens. To be fair, it is bumfuck Massachusetts, so maybe, I mean, obviously they don't have smartphones or the internet or anything like that. I mean, I guess it's maybe possible. It is. I mean, she did grow up probably during like the 40s and like early 50s. So possibly she didn't, you know, really get out to the movies that much. I mean, they did have they did have movies back then, but who knows how far when she was a kid if she lived out of town, you know, maybe they only went into town. I mean, hell, my my dad used to talk about they would only go into town once a week and they only lived like eight miles from, you know, from Cresco. So, yeah, time uh, times were a lot different back then. Yeah. So I want to ask your opinion quick. So I. I think I might have offended a um a Christian today. I want you to tell me if this is offensive or not, okay? Okay. So I've seen on the internet, um, they have like chocolate crucifix, <laughs> chocolate <laughs> crucifixes for Easter, right? Yeah. Fun for the whole family. So we're joking about let's get some. We'll enjoy it for Easter, and then they had cookie cutout things that you can kind of make your own chocolate crucifixes Mm -hmm. and i was like wouldn't it be sweet if you like made those and then you filled it up with like cherry filling and when you bit your chocolate (laughs) jesus on the cross the like red uh cherry fillings oozed out of it is that apparently that was offensive Ah, jeez. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I'm not going to find it offensive. No. Um, I actually kind of had the same same thought yeah. while you were talking about making your own. Um, I, I Mine was actually putting a little piece of wood in there and calling it, oh, look, you found a piece of the true cross. Yeah. You know, have every single one of them. You get it. Yeah, I can see how that'd be offensive to them. I'm guessing it's going to be a her. Yeah. Is it? Um, yeah. The one you've been talking about. Yeah. So hold on. If they hide a little splinter of wood in all of the candies, right? Mm-hmm. Where are they going to win a trip to? Ooh, either Jerusalem or what's that? Uh, what's that creationist museum in uh, Missouri? Oh, yeah. The one with all the hillbillies and yeah. the, the dinosaur yeah. with the saddle on it. Uh, Noah's yeah, Ark thing. Yep, go there. Hell yeah, I want to go there anyway, just because for shits and giggles, man. Yeah, just uh, pretend that you believe in that shit. Just kind of go along with it. They'll probably lynch you if you, you know, don't believe in it. So I would go along with it. Yeah. When Betty was brought back to her home around 10 o'clock that night by two of the small creatures, her family was still frozen in suspended animation right where she had left them. Actually, one of the alien crewmen had been 
charged with staying behind to watch over them. After she had gotten back into the house, the aliens would actually put all of her family members to bed and then they would leave. I mean, that's pretty nice of them. Um, Want to make yeah. sure none of them get hurt. None of them are spooked. Everybody's in their oh, bed. Yeah. No stiff necks, no sore backs in the morning. Um, you know, I guess that's kind of nice of them. Uh, you know what I always kind of wonder? So all these abductions and stuff happen at night, right? Yep. Do you think these aliens even need to sleep? I mean, supposedly they could be the small grays, could be like drone robots, and that's how they're able to travel through space. Um, that's one of the theories. I was going to say, though, quick, a mother of seven would definitely be happy, even though this was a weird night. You know, if somebody actually puts your kids to bed for you, it's got to be at least a little bit worth it, you know? Yeah, I mean, Jesus, it's probably got to be quite a nightmare to get all them kids in their kennels at the end of the night. Like, Oh, yeah. Wrangle up all those, like, hurting <laughs> fucking cats. Yeah. <laughs> trying to bathe and put them all to bed. That'd be fucking insane. Oh, but yeah, um, I would say probably this is maybe their mission. So we obviously, if they are, you know, actual living, the aliens are actually living. We have no idea about their sleep patterns, how much they eat, you know, all that stuff. But I'm guessing if they're going on a mission like this, they're probably going to be well rested for it. So yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, even when you have an Android as advanced as Elon Musk, like he's got to recharge his battery at some point. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Elon Musk. I'm guessing he sleeps about an hour a night. He's one of those, uh, a lot of those genius type people, they only sleep like a couple hours a day. So, or they sleep in little shifts too. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I, um, I only sleep probably about four hours a night, but I always take a little nap when I get home. So. Yeah. See? You get your sleep one way or the other. Yep, you got to catch up one way or the other. Or you just fucking go into a mini coma every weekend like I do. So. <laughs> now, Betty would claim that she really didn't know much about alien abductions, believing at the time that this was much more of a religious experience. That was until 1975, when she had read a story in the local newspaper about J. Allen Hynek, who had been requesting stories about alien experiences. Now, responding to the paper's inquiry, she wrote a letter to him. Though, like I mentioned before, it really wasn't answered in a very fashion, and supposedly this was due to the vagueness of the letter. Uh, it had actually been put in, an, in kind of a stack of old unread letters just, you know, hanging out. It wouldn't be answered until 1977, when a UFO investigator and a team of different engineers would actually take an interest in Betty Andreessen's stories. They would subject her and her daughter to a year's worth of investigations, many, many rounds of hypnotic regression therapy, and background checks, all in which to check on the sanity of the Andreessen's, the validity of their story, everything. They definitely poked and prodded every little which way they could. Right. Yeah, this is... um. A lot of the hypnotherapy, I think, is kind of what builds the story for the book that I read. But, yeah, I, I mean, the thing I was just thinking, okay, obviously he didn't answer hers because it's pretty vague, which I imagine it probably was. But can you imagine all the batshit crazy letters that he had to sift through that he got? Oh, yeah. 
Like, oh my god, I'm sure there's was so much nasty shit people have written in there or like, I don't know, my wife's an alien, can you come get her? Like, shit like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, somebody thinking that they're funny. I mean, imagine all of the crazy UFO stories that we've heard, like, you know, researching this shit, watching all the documentaries. Those are like, those are the top tier ones that actually make the cut. They actually make it to the next many levels. These are raw, just raw bullshit coming from these people. Yeah. It'd be, it would be horrible. Now, I, I don't know if you read this, but I heard there was one of these uh, letters that he received. Someone was warning of a very evil man in the future who was going to start a online book selling website that was going to no. then start taking over the world slowly. Did you, did you see this about J. Allen Hynek receiving this letter? No, I didn't. Did they say if that evil man would have a head <laughs> and be able yeah. to crush his enemies just with his brain patterns? Very shiny helmet, they said. Very yes. shiny oh. skin. I imagine skin it. I imagine helmet. it would look like a shiny helmet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he said he's very evil. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Now, during the many rounds of hypnosis, Betty and her daughter relived a consistent, uh, detailed UFO experience with genuine psychological reactions. And eventually, both of them would be judged by their therapist to be sane and that they both actually believed wholeheartedly in their corroborating stories. Now, after the investigation had finally concluded, a three-volume, 528-page report was actually made about Betty's abduction experience. Yeah, it's very detailed, very vivid. If I remember correctly, the daughter, through the hypnotherapy, they had determined that she had actually been abducted, like, in little parts, even when she was really young. You know what I mean? Yeah, I have. So I've heard a lot about this story. Um, I just wanted to make this one a quick hitter. So I didn't want to talk about a bunch of history, too. I believe that um, there's also kind of stories about Betty being abducted before and after this story too from all the different documentaries and all the shit that I've read. Yeah. That yeah. it's kind of like a family thing that they're being abducted kind of generationally. The thing I think is very interesting, usually with some of the more highly researched abduction cases, when they do like the hypnosis and, and the memory regression and all of that, a lot of them do have these memories that are from, they might be like four years old. Then they might be like 11 years old. Then they might be like 16 years old. Just sporadic little moments that happen to them, which is is weird is either a fake memory that's installed in there somehow or they're misremembering an, an event that happened. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there are these kind of stories it's almost it's it's one of those weird things where it's like did the aliens embed this into their heads? Did their own brains kind of come up with this? Um, anyone who listens to last podcast on the left, um, they always play this game. They call it ghost, alien, or molested. Basically, right, right. they're trying to figure out is it a ghost, is it an alien, or were they molested? Kind of like the human's brain ability to make up little stories to kind of protect itself. Yeah, obviously sexual uh, assault and stuff at a young age or any age really is exceedingly traumatic. So sometimes your brain will have you misremember things 
you know, in a certain way, just like you mentioned. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, in this particular scenario with Betty, I'm not really sure, not really sure what to make of it. I feel like when I was looking into this a long time ago, was there, there was audio recordings of her hypnosis, correct? Yeah, I've heard little little bits and clips here and there. Um, the they definitely have survived. I don't know if they've like all survived, but I have heard little clips before. Yeah, I just remember her crying or something in one of them, and it it, it felt very real. So yeah. I I don't I don't know. She, it feels like she's scared of something, whether it's her being abducted or something else. I don't know. Yeah, according to the hypnotherapists or whatever you want to call them, um, they claimed that she was like reliving these memories through hypnosis and that they were real to her. So, yeah, something happened. Yeah, something weird. So, I mean, the what came from all of this um, from her getting in touch with the investigators, uh, many books, actually, you mentioned one before the Andreessen affair came out 1979. Uh, the Andreessen Affair Phase 2 came out in 1982, and the Andreessen Legacy would come out in 1997, not to mention all of the other books and documentaries and movies, everything that this family and Betty Andreessen is mentioned in. There was also a book called A Lifting of the Veil in 2017. This actually followed the lives of Betty Andreessen, now Luca, and her Next husband, Bob Luca, uh, kind of, they were both alien experiencers and kind of, you know, goes along with them being chased around by government agents and whatnot. Yeah. Um, basically, after uh, the hypnotherapy started, apparently Betty and her husband had separated. Yeah, I, yes. Now that you're mentioning this, I remember this part too. Um, Bob, yeah, Bob had had experienced his own alien things throughout his life. I remember that. Um, I think the book that I read, because I bought it on, like, obviously that uh, evil alien man from the uh, future Jeff Bezos, his website as a Amazon Kindle book. Yep. I think what it was is probably the Andreessen Affair Phase 2. Um, okay. Because it was called The Andreessen Affair, but it had, like, you could tell where the first book stopped, and then there was uh, extra shit added to the back end of it. Um, like, more or less, the story that you told here is kind of like the main book, and then they have, like, a, another section where she remembers even more things that happened after the fact. And some people yeah. think those things, like, w what you told today are kind of like the meat and potatoes, the story she's always stuck to, and some people think the second part is her adding a little flair yep. to the original story. Putting uh, putting a little dressing on the side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So that's kind of why I wanted just to tell the bare story. So it's kind of the no frills. Because there was a lot, like later on, uh, it's not, you know, not going to call it fiction. But a lot of, uh, a lot of the flair, a lot of the extras would come out in the later book. Right. Supposedly. So. Right. So, and also, I mean, you know, like I mentioned today, I, I picked this story because it was a nice short one. How many books can you really make of just that experience? You know, that one experience. I will say this. I Anybody in, in, interested in aliens or abductions, I would read, recommend reading 
the Andreessen Affair because it's not a very long book, but it's a very it's very detailed, especially about this story. Like I, I it's kind of irrelevant, but there's like I always remember this one part where the aliens show up and Betty's hypnotized and she starts like <laughs> trying to like grill like cook a meat on the stove. Yeah. Uh it's stupid, but it's just like an interesting aspect that was added to it and obviously apparently the gray aliens are vegans or something they do not like beef i mean i don't know if they actually are but after she tries to cook them the meat they're like no that's how why we're here okay yeah. yeah i have heard so there are people who kind of talk about um how aliens basically wherever they came from they killed all of the animals on their planet so they're always very interested in like dogs and cows and like animals like that. Obviously, they respect cats because they're their equals, you know. Right. Equally right. crazy and whatnot. Honestly, but, I'm, I'm surprised they don't abduct cats and, uh, or maybe they like cats so much and they're abducting the cat's pets in the cat's home, right? Yeah. Maybe they have an agreement <laughs> with the cats to abduct the felines' um, pets. Yeah. All of the little humans that run around <laughs> and feed it and everything, clean yeah. up its shit. <laughs> Definitely. So real quick to end this, uh, just like always, we're going to go over some theories that we both have about this particular UFO sighting slash alien abduction story. So just like always, I love to go with the, you know, the most obvious one first. And that is, of course, she made it all up. That's going to be my first theory. Right. And when it comes to these type of things, pretty much the easiest and easiest explanation right um there's always a possibility because plenty of people have made it up just to try to get famous or publicity or whatever yeah definitely so i mentioned before for a reason betty and barney hill's abduction story there was actually she claimed so betty andreessen claimed obviously 1975 when she wrote that letter that she was really just learning about alien abductions for the first time uh betty and barney their experience had come out in book form all the way back in 1966 and actually during that year that betty andreessen had written the letter 1975 there was actually a television show featuring betty and barney hill's story kind of like revamping or, you know, rekindling the story of their abduction. Interesting. Okay. Now, a counterpoint here. If Betty was, in fact, this religious of a woman, the Betty and Barney Hill, I mean, obviously, they're not going to play it on TV, but very sexual. Their yeah, abduction. Well, I was reading an article, and it was kind of the the similarities and the difference. So the similarities are in the stories. But the differences are definitely between the two Bettys. So Betty Hill is like career woman, you know, not very religious, married to an African-American man, kind of has a large group of friends, no children. And then, you know, Betty Andreessen is a very religious woman, you know, seven kids married to her husband, um, you know, homemaker, not really a career woman. So the two very different women. Very true. That is a good point. You know what? It's funny because I never really connected the dots between them two. I guess in my head I didn't really know exactly when Barney, Benny, Betty and Barney Hill happened. But, uh, man, 1966. I didn't think it was that long ago. Yeah, apparently that's when the, the first like real book about them came out. Huh. 
interesting. We'll have to cover them one day. It's a very, it's a very good uh, abduction story. Very, very X-rated. Oh yeah, definitely. It's the well. The thing about it is, you save it for like a, an anniversary episode. It's one of the big hitters. <laughs> Hell yeah! So, oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like I mentioned before. It's it's probably the biggest abduction story in history. Yeah. Besides yes. Jesus, of course. <laughs> very true. Now, my next theory is another obvious one that I always use. That is sleep paralysis. I was going to say, this, I think sleep paralysis is going to be your new mainstay for possible explanations. Yeah, def- I mean, it's always been it's always been right there in my explanations of what it could be, you know, for alien abductions, um, alien, you know, sightings even sometimes. But it's one of those situations where who knows really if even the whole family was actually involved or if she just kind of nodded off and had about a sleep paralysis and kind of had this entire like, you know, hallucination just kind of happen all around her. So I can't really explain why her daughter Becky also was kind of involved in it unless really she had just convinced Becky later on that she had had that experience. And the father. And the father seeing the the aliens outside, right? Oh, yeah. I'm not exactly... I did, I didn't read really anything about the father being interviewed. So I'm not exactly sure if he ever corroborated the story. Was he gotcha. in the book? Yeah, he was in the book. Or his experiences were something. Okay. He actually gave, like... His recollection in the for the for the authors of the book? I think so. I believe okay. so. Don't quote me, but I believe so. Yeah, I was looking around a bunch of different articles and I was only able Becky and Betty, like their recollections. So and it mostly all comes from the books or from the, the hypnosis um the sessions. sessions. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad one. It's a little more complicated to pull off, but it's not a bad bad explanation. Yeah, it kind of, that's why it's a little bit less. It, these go down like kind of more and more and more. So okay. the next one is obviously even more, you know, weird. It's not, it's not totally out there. It's possible, especially for the area that they're in. Uh, drug experiments, possibly involving MK Ultra. So you, you think they might have drugged the family or something, drugged Betty uh, tricked her into believing she had this experience. Yeah, or just kind of, you know, ex- you know, pumped drugs into the house, kind of experimented, tried to, you know, figure something out. This is obviously my own little mm-hmm. theory. I always like to uh, involve MK Ultra and shit. But I mean, who knows? Possibly they're in East Coast. They're right next to all of the, you know, Harvard, all the big schools. So where this shit was going on, right? Right. I, I it's possible they were doing a lot of uh, wily shit back then. Definitely. So, next one, which actually might be a little bit possible than MK Ultra, but they could be having about of you've mentioned before, like a group psychosis or group hysteria. Yeah. This is a I think group psychosis is a very unique I think aberration in in human behavior. I'm not even sure how the hell it act- exactly works, but it does happen where people like I wouldn't say mass hallucinate, but they mass believe this event happened to them. I I don't really know how it comes about. Would Betty have had to have her psychosis and then convince everybody else, and then they experience the psychosis as well? Possibly, or they could all just been 
who knows? Maybe they all had some bad chicken that night. <laughs> they were all just having I, some weird hallucinations. Actually, now that you mention that, this is a theory that I didn't think of until now, even when I read the book and everything. Um, you know, you got an old farmhouse. Could it be possible carbon monoxide leak? Uh, maybe, like you said, I mean, technically that would be a mass hallucination if they were being poisoned by it, but it didn't kill them. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's a possibility. You know, those old, uh, those old furnaces basically ran off of, you know, puttering out carbon monoxide <laughs> and all the fucking poisons. So yeah, could be. Did I ever tell you uh, real quick here? My, it would be my dad's old boss. He, he had passed away, but he was in his house and he had went to the basement. And he didn't realize the furnace was leaking. And he said, it's, he's lucky this didn't kill him, but he claims he started seeing like little goblins starting to really? climb out of the furnace and shit and like all these hallucinations because he was being poisoned by uh, carbon monoxide. Yeah, that's, I mean, hell, that could be a possibility. I've never heard you mention that story. Yeah, but... it, we always laugh about it, but uh, yeah, he's no, lucky. That's scary he as shit. Yeah, he's, he's lucky he didn't die. I mean, he's dead now, but he didn't die from that. Yeah, that would definitely not be good. I mean, it might be a fun. You get to see some cool shit right before you, you know, <laughs> pass to the great beyond. Uh, but... here, here's the thing. This is advice from your Phil and I. Put fucking carbon monoxide detectors in your house. If you don't have them, put them in there, goddammit. Oh, yeah, definitely. You don't want to go out like that. That's no. That's uh, no. not a good way to go out. But could it be possible they were hallucinating, but then again, I doubt they'd all be hallucinating the same thing. Who knows exactly? I mean, they might have all just had, like, weird hallucinations, and then Betty just, you know forced their story into like one thing. She just kind of did the, do you remember situation, you know, gaslighting. Very true. Uh, that could be, I mean, I, I don't know. What do, what do you think this whole thing is? Well, I mean, I do have one more theory. Okay. Throw that one out. Then we'll talk about it. Just a few hundred miles away <laughs> from Massachusetts is of course the dreaded cesspool city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Now, of course, all of the little, you know, all of the little creatures running around Pittsburgh, they're all climbing on the walls and, you know, running through doors and shit. I mean, she could have experienced the worst possible thing, and that is a bunch of Pittsburghonians crashing her home and taking her out on an adventure. Okay, could she have been so traumatized going to a Steelers game that she now remembers it as her being abducted by aliens and getting poked and prodded by needles. Possibly. Okay. That could be it. Right. I mean, it was a little early for the Terry uh, Iron Curtain years, but. Uh, okay. So what do you think? What do you think happened to Betty? What do you really think happened to her? I think she made the whole fucking thing up. You think, so you think she just saw the Betty and Barney Hill thing and tried to copy it. Yep, I think that she saw how uh, Betty and Barney Hill's like, kind of story gave them all the fame, and you know they were you know writing books about them, TV shows about them, and I think she wanted a piece of it, and I think she got her daughter to go along with it. It's very possible. I mean, if you got seven kids, at least one of them is gonna believe you. Um, yep. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I I had never seen the correlation between that. You know, I think in my heart, I hope 
that the abduction alien abduction side is the the real one because that's the fun story but again it's hard to say I don't want to say definitively she made it up but you did make a lot of weird connections between the two of them obviously for the fun side of it to keep the whole you know keep the show going and everything you want to believe that it's all real but just you know kind of using how I'm thinking I think that this particular story I think she made it up but I'm not saying that about all alien abductions or UFO sightings right just maybe Betty yeah just maybe this this situation one yeah because I mean you can trick you can kind of be awake during your hypnosis you can lead it in a certain direction. It's not like, it's not foolproof, you know? Right. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess I wish we had definitive truth on what happened to her, but... Uh... Also, one last thing I was going to say, too. The thing about MUFON investigators, from everything that I've kind of heard and really how they do things, nowadays they're a lot more, you know, thorough. But back then, it kind of seemed like they really just wanted you know, it to be aliens every time. So really, when your investigators kind of already have a direction where they want this to go, sometimes it might just get there, you know? Yeah, kind of force its hand, per se. Definitely, yeah. Well, uh, if anybody from MUFON wants to come defend themselves, or if uh, our fans want to give their opinion on Betty and Teresa, where can they do that, Phil? Well, they can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at uh, it's great to hear from everybody. We love to hear from the fans. You know, emails are another way to get a hold of us. Probably even better way is through our Instagram accounts, uh, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, thanks for all the likes, all the shares, you know, all the replies, the messages. They've all been great. Uh, Cody and I both have our own Instagram accounts, minus SDPodPhil. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow me at Cody Zabub. Uh, thank you to those who reach out to me and tell me, stories are giving me ideas for episodes i really appreciate it the last thing we need you guys to do is to log into itunes leave the show a five star review doesn't really matter what you say just as long as it's a five star thank you to everybody who's taking time to do that if you're a spotify listener it's just as easy you have to uh simply click the five star and then submit you don't have to type anything and we appreciate the multitude of people who've done that for us as well it uh, definitely helps and shoots us up the ratings Well, Phil, beautiful episode. I really enjoyed it. Um, You know, it's always fun hearing a good alien abduction. We will see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.